Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Do you ever have those panic moments where you have done something so many times that you know it like the back of your hand? Well, every week when I say the Lord's Prayer, typically halfway through, I have a panic moment because I'm worried I'm going to mess it up. And I had that moment even before we started worship because in the Pledge of Allegiance, when they asked us to join in, I was like, do I remember the Pledge of Allegiance? (laughs) We did a pretty good job. Nice job, everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, once again, that would be one of those jump into the pit type of moments. Uh, But it's good to be with you all this morning. And it's especially good because this week we are preparing, believe it or not, to enter into the season of Lent. It is Lent starting on Wednesday where we're going to have our traditional Ash Wednesday service over at the Lake Cable Campus. Starts at 7.30. And I can't think of a better way to spend Wednesday, February 14th, which someone told me was Valentine's Day. I can't think of a better way to spend Valentine's Day than hearing Pastor Brian preach on the fragility of life and our own mortality. Ah, amore, right? You want to hear Ash Wednesday sermon on Valentine's All right, all jokes aside. I do have to admit, uh, Ash Wednesday is one of my favorite services. I don't know if it's because it's one of the services where you get to see all the pastoral staff in their robes. You get to see us uh, put our finger in ashes that won't wash off for a few days as we mark the cross on your forehead. I, I love the non-traditional aspect of Ash Wednesday because you can't, you, can't you can't fake the motions on Ash Wednesday because we don't do it enough. You know, sometimes we just go through the motions on Sunday. Can't really do that on Ash Wednesday because you never know what we might have up our sleeves. Uh, But I do like the fact that Ash Wednesday, we do talk about our own mortality, our own death, because the fact is, as Christians, there's no need to worry about death. It's just a part of the journey. We believe that death is not the end. Praise God. (laughs) But for those who do not know the good news of Jesus Christ or those who do not realize the gospel's power, or those who have not accepted it in their hearts yet, man, talking about death can be tricky. You see the difference at funerals, don't you? There's such a difference between the funeral of someone who is a Christian and not. You just, I see it. I see it. However, as Christians, we know what is in store for us, and it's one big trophy at the end of the day. It's an eternal life with Jesus Christ. But we're not there yet. We're not at the end of the road yet, and we're not quite at Lent yet either. We got one more Sunday to get through uh, as we inch ever so closely to that season of preparation of Lent. And this Sunday, I think, stands alone. Many of you probably agree. It's one that is highly anticipated of uh, all the Sundays throughout the year. Unless you're a long-suffering Browns fan like me, it gets a little bit harder to get excited. But today, it marks the pinnacle of sports fandom. It's also a huge mountaintop moment for pop culture. And amazingly, today's even a day where we don't mind commercials as much as we usually do. It is Super Bowl Sunday, isn't it? And we're all 49ers fans today, right? Uh, Okay, good. I'm sick of seeing the Chiefs win all the time. Uh, one, One of my favorite parts of Super Bowl Sunday is it is an endless stream of trophies. Of course, today, starting around 10.30 p.m., maybe a little closer to 11 if it goes to overtime. How cool would it be to have an overtime Super Bowl for once? Uh, We get to see the handing out of the Lombardi Trophy that is illustrated at the Hall of Fame if you walk through their entryway. But earlier in the day, did you know 
much to the chagrin of my children, that they hand out the Lombarki trophy for the winner of the, the Puppy Bowl. The Puppy Bowl. 20 years of the Puppy Bowl going into Super Bowl Sunday. The cutest puppies out there. There's only one answer, and it's a retriever, but whatever. The wiener dog puppies are pretty cute too, though. Uh, we even give out a trophy today, though, to the thing that we all hate the most. It is an election year. We all hate commercials, do we not? We even pay extra on our streaming services so we don't have to watch commercials, don't we? We'll pay extra not to have commercials. But today, we crown some magical commercial with a proverbial trophy around the water cooler come uh, Monday morning. In fact, I want to share with you one of my favorite commercials from Super Bowl Pass. Let's take a look. Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Eat a Snickers. Better? Better. Hey. That hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. You're not you when you're hungry. Don't worry. Snickers is what satisfies. You know, when I was looking for this commercial... It's so old now, I can't believe how old it was, that I couldn't find it in high def, so we just had to watch a standard def version of the commercial. That's how old that is. Uh, but, but this day, yes, it's full of trophies. Our favorite commercials will be talked about at the uh, copier tomorrow morning, the water cooler. But they even hand out a trophy today, at least in an uh, artistic way. They hand out to one of pop artists' greatest uh, singers, typically. You know you're getting old when one of your high school artists has made the Super Bowl halftime show. Music sales after halftime of the Super Bowl of the artists always hit peak levels. And today it is Usher. Usher is singing. And I had to talk to the youth this week to see if they knew who Usher was. And they don't really know who Usher was, which made me feel really old because, uh, yeah, was when I was in high school. Uh, but anyways, there's, there's amazing performance. And sometimes... The older artists put on the best shows, don't they? Well, don't worry. We're going to watch another great clip from Super Bowl's past. Hopefully. <laughs> Leave it to Paul McCartney and the Beatles to write a song that everybody sings back at them instead of them singing it themselves. I still remember that performance because it was so incredible, all the signs that they put up in the crowd and everybody sing along. Just awesome. Just awesome. So today, it is undoubtedly, hopefully you realize, a day of trophies. Most of all, for the 49ers. We're all 49ers fans because they got all the Ohio State guys at least. Uh, but what does this have to do with God? <laughs> why, why are we talking about trophies on a day that is precluded every Sunday, set aside 
for God? Well, as we talked about last week, at least a little bit, as Christians, we are to press on towards the ultimate prize, the ultimate trophy. As Paul wrote, and Pastor Jared shared last week here, out of Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, I press on towards the goal, towards the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Look, last week we talked about how we're not supposed to be couch potatoes in this thing called life. We got to get in the game. We have to start striving and pressing on towards the goal. We are to be participants towards the ultimate trophy, the ultimate prize, which is an unending, unwavering, unparalleled experience with Jesus Christ. You know, this week we're going to extend the metaphor once again, as painful as you may find it, uh, because we're going to be preaching out of Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 this morning. Now, I got to give a little bit of background in Hebrews 12 first, because Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 starts with a magical word in the scriptures that if you see has to trigger an instant response from you. It starts with the word, therefore. If you ever, 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 ever read a scripture that starts with therefore, you got to go backwards before you can go forwards. You have to know what was talked about before, before discovering what is talking about presently. So we, let's take a little step back to Hebrews 11 first. Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite chapters in all the scriptures, and you'll find out here why in just a moment. But in Hebrews 11, it starts off in verse 3 by saying, by faith, by faith, that's the, that's the underlined part in the scriptures, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. That is faith. Faith is believing in things that are not visible. And then the author goes on into one of my favorite passages, scriptures in Hebrew 11, called the Faith Hall of Fame. Because in Hebrews 11, our author goes point by point about some of the Old Testament heroes who were exemplary for their faith. People, heroes like Abel and Enoch. Enoch, you may not know Enoch, or you may scratch your head about Enoch. Enoch's one of the few, few, very few people in the scriptures to not die, but go straight to heaven. We read about that in just a small piece of scripture, Enoch. But there's also Noah and Abraham and Moses. These people, they're all honored in Hebrews chapter 11, so much so that it's given this Hall of Fame title. So, there's Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame. And now we're going to transition into Hebrews chapter 12. That's kind of where I'm going to start off with. And it starts with the words, therefore. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's the people that are in the Faith Hall of Fame, that's who, who he's writing about there, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with the perseverance, the race that is set before us. Don't worry, we got running analogies today. I know you're all excited. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, this is the word of God for the people. God, will you pray with me? Well, Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be found holy and acceptable in your sight. 
for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, examining Hebrews 12 this morning, we're going to kind of chop it up into five sections and examine it and kind of dissect it a little further. And um, we need to kind of thoroughly vet what is the best way to run this race that we call life. We're going to look at some of the five C's, the letter C, five C's that we're going to take out of Hebrews 12 that are going to help us in this battle that we find ourselves in. They are, as I follow, the crowd. It is the contestants, the conditioning, the contest, and finally, the coach. We're going to go on all of those as we look to the best way to press on towards that trophy that was illustrated last week. But we got to start and break them down bit by bit. So we're going to start with the first one, which is the crowd. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, it starts out with that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I don't know about all of you, but at the beginning of the playoffs, at least the NFL playoffs, selfishly, I always cheer for my Cleveland teams, right? That's what fandoms do, right? And because many of you are so much smarter than me, you did not get sucked in when the Browns got thoroughly destroyed by the Houston Texans. Uh, I still can't believe Andrew put on his C.G. Stroud jersey right after the game. It kind of hurt my heart a little bit. Uh, But as the playoffs continued, did you find yourself doing the same thing that I did? I started cheering for another sad sack franchise, the Detroit Lions. How cool would it have been had they beat the 49ers to see them in the Super Bowl today? Can you imagine how many people would have come to Jesus Christ had the Lions won the Super Bowl, the Browns won the Super Bowl? Uh, They would have shut down travel, right? We all would have gone out west to Las Vegas just to get within breathing distance of a Super Bowl with either Detroit or Cleveland. And undoubtedly, it would be an amazing atmosphere. Here's the thing, though, and the good news that I have for you. As Christians, we get to have the same home field advantage in life. We do. We are surrounded by what the author writes of Hebrews, so many great witnesses of our faith. They are cheering us on, the people that cheer us on from the sideline, pushing us forward, urging us on. And any athlete can tell you, whether it was in high school or college or professional, when you're playing in front of a great crowd, man, it makes for an incredible atmosphere. It makes all the difference. It's part of the reason why I'm so excited to be just nine weeks and one day out from the Boston Marathon, because I can't wait to run by over 100,000 people cheering me on, shouting my name from my bib, even though they have no idea who I am. I'm so excited for that experience. Now, of course, in our context, the crowd includes those Old Testament heroes that we read about in Hebrews 11. We think about Moses, how awesome his story is, or Noah, or Abraham, who are all these great patriarchs of our faith. But Then also, we've got the New Testament heroes who are also cheering us on. We can think of people like Stephen, the first martyr, or we think of Paul, the author of so many of the letters of the New Testament, or we think about Peter, who was the rock that the church was founded on. They're also on the sideline cheering us on. That's that's starting to get pretty crowded on the sideline, right? But here's a good thing and another great thing. (laughs) There is also great witnesses in this life cheering you on. In this moment, or perhaps in moments past when you were uh, younger, uh, I like to think that there are people in our lives who are cheering us on, on the sideline, who are great witnesses of our faith. Who is it for you? 
Who was it for you, maybe? That maybe it was a parent or a Bible study leader or it was a friend who helped bring you along and cheer you on in life as you battled everyday problems that we come across. Uh, Of course, does it mean they lived a perfect life? No, of course not. Nobody except Jesus has ever lived a perfect life. Neither has Noah or Abraham or Moses or Peter or Paul or not picking on anybody in the scriptures, but none of them were perfect. And none of the people in your life now are going to be perfect who are cheering you along. Just for another illustration, you know, tonight when we click on the Super Bowl, there's not going to be one, one, a single solitary receiver on that field who has never dropped a pass. Every single receiver has dropped passes. <laughs> Every single offensive lineman has false started, jumped off size, or got called for holding. It's, it's a fact of life. None of us are perfect. But the reality is, they can still be a part of the greatest cloud of witnesses that we know. They can be a part. We can all be a part of the crowd. Which brings me to the second C that we're going over today, which is the contestants. The contestants who, is, or who are playing in the game. Okay, And the metaphor out of Hebrews 12, that's you and me, friends. We're the contestants that have to race in this running that we call life. Of course, we're competing for that ultimate prize, that trophy that's at the finish line. But here's the funny thing, and one of the great reasons that I love running. You know, running is not a zero-sum game. The Super Bowl is a zero-sum game. There is only one winner to the Super Bowl. There, well, except if maybe Travis Kelsey loses, he gets to go home to Taylor Swift, right? Okay, all right, never mind. That, there, is, there is a zero-sum game tonight. But you know when you start at the race line, I'm not going to come in first at the Boston Marathon. I'm going to be lucky to finish out of the first (laughs) 15,000. But I tell you what, it's going to be incredible to cross that finish line. And that is how life works too. We are not competing against each other in life. We are competing alongside each other, urging each other on, using each other to help be witnesses of our faith. That, That is the difference between being a Christian and being something else. We aren't competing. We are competing, or we are competing, but we're competing not against each other, but with each other. Which brings up the next part of the great competition, which is conditioning, a next C. It goes like this in our scriptures. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Man, when I read this scripture this week, this is what hit home for me. Because we are in an ever-present battle in this life, aren't we? Even though we're not competing against each other, friends, you have to realize there is something we're competing against, and it is the elusive evil power that we find in our world. If you're a runner, that evil power is that massive hill that you got to go up. (laughs) If you're a swimmer, maybe in open waters, it's that current that keeps battering you as you're trying to make your way through it. If you're a bicyclist, maybe it's that headwind that is pushing back against you. These are the things that we fight against in this world and the poor metaphors that I just laid out. But there are these things that literally weigh us down in life and they are sin. (laughs) Sin is what just weighs us down. It weighs down our soul. It weighs down our minds. It weighs down our body. How are we to combat that in this life? Well, I believe it's by that C word, conditioning. We have to condition our body to put 
forth in the battle. We got to have a level of endurance. We must be constantly in training, fighting up and bringing up all that energy level so that when the real battle, when the real storm hits, you're ready to go. (laughs) That's why we need to be in training today. Every single day is an opportunity to increase your level of conditioning. What I mean is, is engaging really in three specific ways. To increase your conditioning in life, you have to be able to worship, explore God's word, and serve. Those are the three main areas that we can gain a higher level of conditioning in this life. For instance, if you think worship is a passive thing that you show up to and you just sit through, boy, are you wrong. Worship is something that you have to actively get engaged with. I don't care how bad you are a singer. You can still sing out loud, I promise you. I'm proof of that this morning, I promise you. There's ways to increase your level of conditioning through worship. Two, you can increase your level of conditioning through Bible studies, through going through God's Word, maybe through a daily devotional. There is a way to get a higher level of conditioning through the Scriptures. Finally, serving. That is a big one, friends. We are to serve our God in the world by helping out the least and the last and the lost. That's one way how we can gain conditioning. But only, only if we use that conditioning to get in with our fourth C, which is engaging in the contest. Our author writes, once again, he's after my heart, he says, let us run with the perseverance, the race that is set before us. Now, if running's not your analogy, let me pull up another one that Paul uses in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, Paul, I quote, I have fought the good fight. Of course, he throws running in there too. He says, I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I, I think a fight, a battle, or running a race is a great analogy for this thing because it is a marathon. It, it is something that we go through. This illustration, it, it helps us understand that there's got to be a certain level of endurance that is necessary to succeed in this life as a Christian. For we need that endurance, as our scripture says in Hebrews 10. It says, for you need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. That endurance, where does that endurance come from? From our final C, which is last but not least, but the coach. During this battle that we find ourselves in, we must look at Jesus who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured, there's that endurance, that, that conditioning level that Jesus had to have. He, en- he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Our coach is our secret weapon. We can keep him in the back pocket. We can keep him in the front pocket. Jesus is with you each and every day. He's your secret weapon because he is the perfecter of our faith. It's Jesus who stands amongst the crowd cheering you on every single day of your life. It's Jesus who knows and understands what it's like to be a contestant in this life, to get into the battlefield. It's Jesus who knows the level of conditioning that is necessary to endure in the contest because he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. But you know... (laughs) Can I ask you all a difficult question to kind of end the sermon with? How many times do we allow Jesus to be the true coach of our lives? How many times do we disregard the play call from the play sheet 
of the coach. (laughs) Do we follow every one of his directions? Do you want to be a follower of the greatest coach there ever was? (laughs) For Jesus has called us to be a part of his team if we would only listen. In, in, In Matthew 16, Jesus shares with us what is required if we are to follow him as a coach. Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, want to be part of the Jesus team, be, allow him to be the coach of our lives, as I digress, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and then follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who want to lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will profit them if they gain the whole world, maybe even a Lombardi or a Lombarki trophy, <laughs> gain the whole world, but forfeit their life, or that they will give in return for their life. Are you ready? Are you ready to follow the greatest coach there ever was in this battle that we call life? Are you striving for the same level of greatness that our scriptures tell us about, going towards that same cross that Jesus had to endure? For, yeah, today's a day full of trophies, but there's only one trophy that stands the test of time, and it is the cross, the thing that we are to pick up and carry with us each and every day. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning knowing the race that we are to endure in this life. For whether it's going uphill or downhill, this way, that way, Lord, we know we are to follow you. For you illuminate our path through the life of your Son, Jesus Christ. Allow us to follow his direction, Lord. Give us the courage to stand still and firm, even in the amazing atmosphere that you call this life. As the crowd cheers us on, help us be uh, really just enthralled with the incredible crowds along the way. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.